1: This is Maxime from the future, here to give you a breakdown of this week's Warriors huddle. We start off discussing when the NBA will return and who is most hurt by the stoppage about eight and a half minutes in. At the 28 minute mark, we toss out some ideas on how different Warriors might be spending their quarantine, including why Steph is now the face of the league. By 4230, we've moved on to understand once and for all what Golden State's $17.2 million trade exception is and who they can and can't use it on. Next up, at an hour and four and a half minutes, Wes and Connor weigh in on who the Warriors will draft. And last but certainly not least, starting in an hour, 10 minutes, and 30 seconds in, the latest brackets tournament where we ask, who is the most obnoxious fan base in the NBA? All right, there you have it. We really enjoyed spending a couple hours with Connor and Wes, and we hope you will too. So feel free to skip around or listen straight through. But whatever you do, thanks for listening, and go Dubs!
2: We're gonna bring y'all to our huddle. You are Warriors huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My producer Marcus.
3: What's up, DevNation? Nation?
2: And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, we have a full house today. I'm fired up to announce rejoining us, Golden State B-Rider for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every Warriors practice, press conference, shoot around and game, and a guy who told Wes Goldberg and I a few weeks back that he may or may not use the quarantine period to start making beats, DJ Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor?
4: Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. And I, I envision you like just surrounded by mixing equipment right now, maybe like a hoodie on. Am I right?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say that. I just I got a software Ableton that I've been messing around with. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I made my first beat last night, actually. So I'm pretty proud of it. Well, I'm also excited
2: to announce that also rejoining us, the other side of that beat conversation, the Bay Area News Group's Warrior Specialist, the host of the Locked On Warriors NBA podcast, and the guy who thought Connor was going to become a farmer and start growing Beats the vegetable, when Mr. Letourneau told us about his hopeful music career, Mr. Wes Goldberg, I am not joking about that, in case you think that I am. He literally, Wes, looked at him and said, wait, you're about to start growing beets?" which is maybe the greatest follow-up <laughs> question of all time. What's
4: going on, Wes?
5: Uh, you picture Connor surrounded by, like, recording equipment, and I'm just, I, I picture him just surrounded by, like, dirt and, like, mulch and, like, shovels and things like that, because I'm not convinced he's not just growing beets. I don't
4: think you, you want too much office, man.
2: <laughs> there is not a more random profession on earth, I think, than beat farmer. Marcus, have you ever heard anybody mistake the word beat B-E-A-T for beat B-E-E-T?
3: Just the right shrewd, but that's a whole different podcast.
2: So. <laughs> Wes, any truth to the rumor you're starting up the beat huddle? <laughs> I got
5: it. It, it. it rhymes with heat huddle. So I think I'm just going to corner that market and I'll be okay.
2: <laughs> that, oh boy, uh, last time all of us were in the same room was in the beginning of these super surreal times. You know, we had just started joking about Gobert, then halfway through the podcast, it comes out that he had tested positive. And then three minutes after that, you know, it hits the fan, the NBA season gets suspended. Now we're all in quarantine what's up boys how you guys been what's been going on over the last couple of weeks i think we need to take that podcast that
5: snippet did that i don't even know if you guys ever aired the full version of us freaking out as stuff was happening but we should send that to like the library of congress or something because that is history <laughs> that was like literally history in the making i don't know if we could do that though um Yeah, so Shams just tweeted that uh, Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a lot happening here. That's a huge Um, deal.
4: So
2: let's organize our thoughts. That's an enormous deal. Okay, we talked about that possibility before the mics went hot. Yeah. Tell me exactly what you were telling me before now. Um, what do you think the ramification of Rudy Gobert having coronavirus could be?
5: So Connor and I were on the way from Chase Center here, and we were talking about this. And I, like, we as we were walking out of Chase Center, we saw the Jazz and the Thunder, evac- basically, not evacuate, that's a strong word, but dismiss the game, delay the game, postpone the game indefinitely. Both teams just went back to the rock- locker rooms, and that's because Rudy Gobert apparently had been ill, and that he just un- apparently underwent a test and tested positive for coronavirus. And so now what we're talking about is possibly the postponement of not just this Jazz Thunder game, but the entire NBA season. Because if you think about it, if they if the if the Jazz can't play, which they ought to not, uh, based on the fact that one of their players has coronavirus, and there's probably had coronavirus for at least a week now, um, then maybe there's other guys on that team that are infected. If they can't play games, and the teams that they're playing can't play games, and now we have an entire... Uh, unbalanced schedule and if that's the case in a playoff race you can't have that so there might be a situation at this point where everybody gets to an even amount of games or thereabouts and they just postpone the season and then maybe if you start it again and this is just me spitballing here you start it in the playoffs that way you are limiting liability you are say you're going from 30 teams to 16 and you could say all right let's try like the, the the most healthy best record 16 teams in the league they get to go in the playoffs but who knows when that could be
4: this is gonna have massive repercussions. I I would not be surprised if another NBA game is not played this season.
2: That makes sense to me. I mean, if yeah, so, the
5: NBA has suspended the season. It's done.
4: Oh, oh wow! For how long? Uh, I, I, we actually have to work now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. we like literally have to work now. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> f- <sighs> <sighs>
2: yeah. You guys, yeah, you guys wanna take over? Yeah. Holy
1: shit. I'm pretty sure that all of our content is going to be in the Library of Congress.
2: <laughs> yeah, we we actually we just submit it concurrently. In fact, as we are speaking, the Library of Congress is recording this right now. So if you want anything recorded oh, for posterity, yeah, now's the time for sure. <laughs> Listen to Fauci. Does that make <laughs> it? <laughs> oh, of course, of course it will make it. Um, but but honestly, I mean, are you guys doing okay? I mean, give us give us a a quick update before we talk sports here.
4: I've been good. uh, You know, trying to stay busy, Been still writing at least five days a week. Uh, Expanded my scope a little bit. Writing some non-warrior stuff, but also doing plenty of warrior stuff as well. Beyond that, just hanging out a lot with my roommate, Uh, eating a lot, uh, trying to not gain 20 pounds, Uh, going on a lot of walks, making some beats, watching a lot of Netflix. Nothing, Nothing too crazy
2: growing some beets, kind of you're going to confuse people i can see now why wes was on the money with that how about you wes remind me man do you have a housemate or are you by yourself
5: i am all by myself no other people no other pets nothing just me and uh i am i, I am not eating a lot i'm drinking most of my calories so uh <laughs> that's how i'm spending my time and doing work when i can
2: so there we go I heard somebody refer or at least come up with the phrase the covoid 15 instead of the freshman 15 that all of us are stuck at home putting our way. I'm not going to say that I've been doing that, but I also won't say that I haven't. So I'll just let you pick up the inference. Uh, Let me jump us in to my normal favorite topic, and it's going to be kind of a weird one now, but it's going to lead to some questions whose answers I need. So the topic is the off the court report. Normally, this is where we get your guys experience. You get to see what the hell the Warriors are doing when they're not on the floor. But this week, it feels in particularly appropriate because the entire goddamn NBA is off the floor. Um, so let me jump into it. And I now that I've used that super can joke, I feel hell of guilty about it. Maxime, if you could somehow just excise that out, it would be great, but it does lead me to this question. So over under July, when will the NBA be back? Um,
5: over, uh, over meaning like past July. Yep, exactly. Uh, I, I think it's going to be past July. I, I am getting more and more pessimistic by the day for this thing. And just the more I try to work out this like version of an NBA coming back in my head, it just seems extremely unlikely. I just, I don't know that we're going to get a basketball season whatsoever because, I mean, there are so many things that, that need to go right that just haven't been going right in general for them to get this thing going. Let's just say hypothetically in July, uh, I, I don't know, Adam Silver gets together with whoever he needs to get together with and says, you know what, let's, let's try to get this thing going again. I mean, they have to literally test all of these players who are going to be able to participate, which I would imagine will only be a playoff scenario. Yeah. You, have to te- you have to get all these players tested. You're going to have to hope that these players are tested and they come back negative for having the virus. Because I mean, what's a, is it a situation where you're just like DNP COVID nineteen? Like if a if your star player has, right. you know, it can't play. So like, how's that going to be fair? I don't know. And then you just got to hope. Okay, well, this is one star player got it. Does anybody else in the locker room have it? Did anybody like when did when did he come down with it? All these things. If one player gets it, we have another Rudy Gobert situation. I just don't see a way where it makes any feasible sense, especially because just politically to get all those players tested in a, in a time where we very have very few tests, it just doesn't really seem like it's a logical or politically correct thing to do. I, I, and we see how hard of a time China is having. They've been trying to get this thing restarted for a month and they can't get it going. I, I just, I, I think it's just going to go further and further. I, I think July would be best case scenario. And I just don't see it happening. Connor,
4: you agree? Yeah, I completely agree with Wes. Um, You know, it's a, it's the type of situation where they're going to do everything in their power, humanly possible to get at least some games in, to have some sort of playoff uh, just because so much money is being lost. But I agree with Wes. I just don't think that the timeline is going to align with that. I think it's going to be pushed back so far where, even if you were willing to start next season in mid-December, it just wouldn't make sense because, you know, so many things have to come together to agree to return to play, even without fans. You know, uh, you have to, you have to have certain test results. You have to be confident that no one associated with the NBA has it anymore, that it can't spread within the league anymore. And I just don't see that happening anytime soon. And so My money is on no more games uh, in the NBA this season. I
2: think that the NBA as we know it is done, at least this year. We're not going to see games that we would even identify as NBA games, um, you know, via the stands, via the standards that we expect out of broadcasting, any of that. But I do think there's going to be some bastardized version um, that will take place before the end of the year because I think it's going to be a really toxic combination of money and need. I mean, you guys – I I learned from you guys that the Warriors make somewhere around $4 million in profit or at least $4 million every time they open – Chase enters doors if that's true even you know to a smaller degree for other teams that's the kind of money that's out there and we reach some places a society where we need entertainment desperately and I think we're like two three months away from that I can see them putting something together I'm not sure what the hell it would be probably fan lists right and it would probably involve a lot of missed games from players but I see them doing something and I think it'll be past July Marcus where are you on this am I crazy
3: no, nah, I'm with you. I mean, I last time I went against Wes and trying to predict how many games the Warriors would win, he was correct and I was way off, so I'm a little hesitant about this. But um I think I think they figure out a way for the reasons you listed. You know, there's too much money to be made, there's too much hunger for the content, and people just need something to look at. And Adam Silver already said, you know, of all the leagues when they had that call with president trump um you know we were the first ones to shut down so we'd like to be the first ones to come back as well so i think they figure out some type of weird no fans all in one location tournament um and they play out the playoffs that way um i don't think we get the full season back and hopefully and i'd I'd love wesson um connor and everybody else's take on this like i wonder if this impacts the start of the season permanently like they were kicking around the idea of should the nba start on christmas day and then go through you know the summer months and kind of stop trying to compete against football Um, i think that's a great move and it was hard to do and there wasn't an impetus to kind of you know make that a a big conversation and a real conversation but Now that this has happened, I think it gives them a reason to say this is why we're going to do it. So, um, but I think they get some type of small playoff teams only tournament done um, going over. I think it'll be in August and before the NFL starts. And then they seriously look at starting the next season. on Christmas Day and look at at changing the season moving forward permanently.
2: Connor, Wes, what do you think about that Christmas Day start? Is there any possibility of that?
4: I think it's possible, um, and I think it's probably a best-case scenario in some ways at this point. Uh, And I I actually think it could make sense long-term. If you start the season on Christmas Day, I think you have no choice but to make that the new NBA calendar. There's just no... There's no way where you could somehow get get back on track. It, these guys are creatures of habit. They need a routine. They need an off season. They need all these things to give fans the best possible product. And it would be would not be fair to them to have them start a season, and and uh, in mid December and then get back on track. And also keep in mind that they want to they want to maximize their profits, especially given how much money they're losing now. So they would, you know, probably not want to have a next season shorter as well. So uh, that, that to me is probably a best case scenario at this point and what we could be looking at. I, I don't, I, I understand the, the
5: idea of the December start. Now this idea that it would start on Christmas day is ridiculous. I don't think that that makes any sense because you're basically cannibalizing your own product. Like, just because Thanksgiving is one of the biggest days of the year for the NFL doesn't mean that they're going to start their season on Thanksgiving because you're get now you're going from two major landmark events in opening day and Thanksgiving Day games to one landmark event right you're combining both of your things you're cannibalizing your own product it makes zero sense from a sales perspective that said I think you could start the season in early December and then sort of work your way up into that December 25th showcase uh, so you're kind of, the, the idea is the same but I I, I I'm I find it important to differentiate the idea between an early December start and an actual Christmas day start, especially because you don't want to start your season when a lot of people are on vacation and spending more time with like family and things like that. Just it's not a good time to start something. It's uh, oh. the time of year where things end. It's going to be hard
2: for me to articulate how much I enjoyed how you decided to tell them that you disagreed. I mean, because you could have been like, ah, you know, I don't necessarily disagree. Here's why they cannibalize themselves. Instead, you said it makes zero sense to do it your way. I love FU disagreements, (laughs) and that was a fantastic (laughs) one, Wes. You could have been like, look, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be stupid and wrong, and I don't feel like doing that. So nicely played. uh, I'm I'm –
5: I'm a little bit more on edge. I'm a little bit more temperamental these days, just given that I have cabin fever. So appreciate you at least recognizing that um, and spinning it positive for me. But uh, I, I think that I, I also have just... Look, this, this, this December start is not a fan-driven thing. It is actually something that's been proposed by several owners in the NBA. So there is, there is a want for it, and the reason for it is that you don't overlap with the NFL. So I get it. Okay. The other side of it is that why should the NBA bow to the NFL? Like I just from just from a pride standpoint, I also understand that. Even though the NFL is way bigger than the NBA, if you if if you just look at the ratings for a dumb Sunday game like between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans, the ratings that that gets on a Sunday versus what the NBA Finals gets is just insane. It just right. it's amazing. But uh, I I I I don't think that there's to reinvent the wheel here. And to tr- for the NBA to try to extend the most important parts of its season, right? When we're talking about the postseason and the finals and the championship game and all that stuff, to put that over the summer, where you rarely have any worthwhile television at all. I mean, everything takes a break over the summer because nobody wants to be inside watching TV during the summer. Like, do you be do you want to be watching the NBA finals on a beautiful day in the middle of September? Like, I don't know that you want to to be doing that. I. And so there's a reason why the entire entertainment industry has sort of all agreed that, hey, we just don't do new stuff during the summer. Uh, and, for the, and, and I think Adam Silver, he recently saw on ESPN that viewership habits are changing. Things are changing. So it's worth looking at that. I, I don't think that just because it hasn't been done, you shouldn't be doing it. But we should at least consider the reasons why it isn't being done. And just to say, hey, it should be, it'd be great to start the thing in December so that it doesn't overlap with the NFL is part of the argument, but it's not the entire argument.
2: I know that you are capable of an articulate response. I'm just telling you, I much prefer the you response. Hold on to that, man. And we all have this kind of angst. So I think you are uh, <laughs> you're helping get it all out of our system. And let me flip the question, and I'm going to shoot it off to you first, Connor. Um, so what teams is this hurting the most? So obviously nobody wants to be on suspension. All of them are home. No one's getting to play. Everyone's losing money. But I feel like this stoppage is probably hurting certain franchises a lot nastier than others. And I want to see if you agree, man. So it, is there somebody out there you think this is in particularly screwing.
4: The, the first thing that comes to mind is the Bucks. Um they have the best record in the NBA. Uh they've looked like a team that's capable of getting over the hump finally and re- reaching the finals and maybe even winning a title. And in doing so, they would probably secure Giannis's future long term. And so this was setting up to be a very important playoffs for them and it looked like they were on track to achieving all their goals. So if if they cannot play a playoff game, I think that would be incredibly disappointing. And I think it could long-term end up hurting their chances of, of resigning him in 2021. And so I have to go with the Bucks number one.
2: Could we flip that on its head and say that – so now they, they, they're not going to have an opportunity. In fact, here, let me start that over and, and make sense out of it. What all Warrior fans have been waiting, salivating for, hopefully, is the Bucs make it into the playoffs, and then they stumble, right? They shit the bed. They played Philly. They played somebody. A matchup didn't work. They lose. Now Giannis is thinking, I can't stay here. It can't be small market, and he ends up in Golden State. Could an argument be made now that that possibility of failure maybe has been taken off the table? Because we don't know. Maybe they'll actually play. But if they don't play another game, I feel like there's a chance that Giannis looks around. They had the best record in the league. He still doesn't want to go into basically a lame duck year. And he just re-ups now, you know? And from that analysis, it would really help Milwaukee, right? Because they don't have to walk through the minefield of possible failures. Is that making sense? Am I Am I off on that?
4: It's possible. That's that's definitely a possibility. It's it's hard to predict something like that just because Giannis has been so coy about how he's feeling about right. everything, and he hasn't really said much publicly. So it's hard to get in his brain and and try to prognosticate and guess what he's thinking. But it really could go either way. My guess would be that he, you know, he resigns for next season, and then and then has to do the big extension in twenty twenty one. That would be. Yep. My guess is that we're still setting up for a lot of build-up for 2021, and, and uh, you know he's going to want to see them actually get over the hump or get close to getting over the hump uh, before he commits to them long-term.
2: I felt like this stoppage is an in-particular FU to the LA franchises. Right, both the Clippers and the Lakers. So the Lakers is easy. I mean, LeBron is having a hell of a year, and I don't know when, but at some time, father time will catch up with him. I thought it was last year, I thought it was gonna be this. At some point it's going to happen, so to have a full year just taken off, and, and especially when they've been successful as they have been up until now, there's no question it hurts now. But for the Clips, they only have that super team for two years, right? If they lose this year entirely, and all the pressure goes Onto to Kawhi and all the pressure goes on to PG to actually perform next year. I don't feel like that's that good for them. Uh, Wes, what do you think? I think you just named the
5: other two teams. We just talked about the three teams that this actually matters to. Every other team, it doesn't matter. Like Philadelphia, they weren't going to do anything this year. Like Brooklyn wasn't going to – like none of these other quote-unquote contender teams, it doesn't matter for them. But for the two LA teams and for Milwaukee, it super matters. For like just – from LeBron's perspective, I mean, you're right. I mean, if you, he had an opportunity to go ahead and win a fourth title this year. And by the way, I, I have been picking the Lakers since before the season. I thought they were the best team at the time of the, the stoppage. I thought they were going to beat the Bucks in the finals. Uh, and you, you are now adding a fourth championship to LeBron's legacy. Uh, you're adding um, sort of this bounce back for the Lakers, which would have been incredibly good for the league, as much as Warriors fans don't want to hear that, but that's the fact. And then, like you said, like the Clippers, they want to be L.A.'s new team. They want to be the face of the NBA. And now you've taken all of these, like, bazillion of first-round picks that they traded for what? For one yeah, year to try to chase this right. thing? You look at what the Raptors traded, which was basically DeMar DeRozan and some other salary, to get one year of Kawhi versus what the Clippers traded to basically get one year of Kawhi. And, like, okay, great. Also, Paul George. Cool. Wake me up when he does anything in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it is like, it's just night and day what the Raptors gave up versus what the Clippers had to give up. And, and now I don't like, I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't think if the, if the Clippers don't win the championship next year, that Kawhi would definitely walk away. I still think ultimately, like they want to be in LA Kawhi and Paul George. So I think that we resign. re I think maybe we overestimate the fact that they're going to walk away. Cause where are they going to go? Yeah. Um, but uh i it is like if you're the clippers you don't think about it you don't think about it that way you look at what you just paid for this thing and worrying like okay now we got to do it all in one year that the pressure
2: would definitely be there like you said marcus maxime you and i or the three of us have been talking about the possibility of yanni's coming to the bay forever so that bucks back and forth we just had does this help us or hurt us land uh, the biggest free agent possibly in our history
3: yeah, that was going to be my answer was, you know, I think, and not to sound homerish, but I think one of the teams that impacts the most is the Warriors. Um, I've I've still been bullish on the fact that we had a shot at signing Giannis, and I think that this hurts us, I think, to the points that um, Connor and Wes raised that not having a season and not having any, you know, potholes for them to fall in and you know any shock losses along the way or just not winning the championship even if they play the Lakers and lose like I think that helps Giannis stay and sign a contract kind of like Anthony Davis did where he just decided to re-up in New Orleans and then decided after a couple of years he wanted out again so um I think it hurts us in the fact that you know you this season is just a wash and we don't really get a resolution to that. And a lot of the players are going to think like, okay, let's just run it back and, and then we'll see, you know, what I want to do with my career at that point.
1: Yeah. The, I feel like the, the, the scenario in which Giannis comes to the Warriors before the co- COVID-19 situation hit is that, you know, they don't make it to the finals or they don't win the finals and he's discontent. Like you laid out best case scenario that happens in this situation. The final, you know, the playoffs get moved out a little bit, but they still happen. But there's this trump card for every team that can say no matter how the season ends for them, um, you know, we we weren't in shape. Guys over the quarantine didn't take advantage of the time to, to, you know, to stay in peak physical condition. Like, there's always a reason to say why they should have won but didn't because of coronavirus. And so I I don't think that Giannis can make a move even if, you know, the team does play the playoffs and then doesn't win uh, because of the what-if factor.
2: Sure. No, it makes sense to me. Um, and what you, I'm
5: going to do. Go ahead. No, we've seen just sort of to the same point. We've seen over and over again, like through NBA history, that like the default position is sort of just the default to your team. I mean, even when Dwight Howard quite clearly wanted to leave the Orlando Magic, he signed an extension. Like, it's, it, it just seems to be always the case. These guys uh, end up defaulting to being with the team that they are already on unless you're like, you know, Kevin Durant or LeBron are really kind of the only players who really that were of that level that did move um, when the default was just clearly not good enough. But those teams, I mean, you can even argue like the Thunder were pretty close, but they, they had to run into the Warriors over and over again. I mean, the Bucks are quite clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think it would take – I've, I've never thought that the Warriors' chances of landing on us in the first place were high. But I do think that this entire situation basically, no matter what, like you could, like Maxime said, like you can write this thing off with any excuse that you want. I think that this is just going to result in a long pause and just sort of a run it back type of situation for Giannis.
2: Wes, there's some unspoken rules on this pod. One of them is if you're going to quote someone who just spoken, it has to be me. You can't you can't quote anybody else. So, yeah, know, that's weird. You've been on the show a lot of times, man. So I'm (laughs) surprised you haven't picked that up yet. Whatever. You can pick it up as we go forward. And uh, I'm so embarrassed by you and what you just did. I'm going to push us off into another segment here. I've put together a series of questions that I feel to be the Warriors biggest questions heading into the offseason. Um, and a lot of them hedge around the $17 million trade exception. But before I ask you about that, let me give you something I've been thinking about because I want your guys' take on this because you know their personalities way better than me. So all of us are trying to spend time doing something now, right? we got to find some form of entertainment. The quarantine presents a series of challenges on that front. So for this segment, what I want you to do, or at least for this question, I'm going to give you a warrior's name, And I want you to guess or tell me what you think they've been doing to pass the time during the quarantine. Let me start with what I'm hella fired up for. Clay Thompson, I will go first to give you guys some time. So the stolen answer, the easy answer is that he's doing archery in his house, right? We learned that from from Connor's story about him at Washington State, that he's pretty much down on doing anything. But I'm not going to use that. Instead, what I think this fool is doing is reading children's literature that he didn't know about, that everybody else does, right? So, like, right now, he just discovered Harry Potter and is having the time of his life and is texting people left and right, like, reading all of the books. Now, I don't mean he's just discovering Harry Potter for the first time. We know that he went to Harry Potter World. We know that he likes the movies. But I don't think he knew they were books. I think he's reading them right now and just loving it. It's like, dressed like a wizard by the end of the third one. So that's who I have for Clay. What do you guys he, got for him? He, He's walking into, like, rooms and just saying things like Lumos and then, like, clicking the light on and then just, like, <laughs> smirking to his girlfriend. Exactly right. And I am so impressed that you knew the right spell there, Wes. Don't think I'm not enough of a nerd where I couldn't pick out the exact word that you just dropped. But that is exactly right. What's your guess? What do you think he's doing? I just get back on your, did I just get back on your good side? Is that what just happened there? You've been on the good side ever since you were angry, you know, fuck, you, Wes. You've been on my good side. Come on. Oh, okay, good. All right uh, I love that with Clay
5: Thompson. I don't have a better funnier answer than that. Uh, I honestly do think that he he's probably just he's bought a lot of video games and he's doing that, but uh, realistically that's probably what he's doing. but I love your answer. I don't know what other kind of children's literature that he could be reading. I don't know like how far back are we going like are we getting to like the Dr. Seuss universe? Like I don't even know uh, but uh, I, I love I love just the visual of
4: all of that. Anybody else got a guess? I love that. Hey, he actually does like Harry Potter, too. I'm not sure you knew that. Uh, oh, but I remember him yeah, uh, during like a, a, a trip
2: to Florida. I think he went to the world of Disney um, and went to like Harry Potter world there. Like I remember some clips coming out about that, so that sounds exactly right. Well, if we
4: all agree... Let me give my guess on this, because oh, yeah. this is probably the, the best question we've had in a very long time. <laughs> I, I would go with... Uh, I mean, we know what Clay's doing because we follow his Instagram. We know he's hanging out with his girlfriend who's a supermodel slash famous actress uh, a lot. And we know he got a new dog with his girlfriend. Uh, We know these things. But if I had to guess, I think he's going down a rabbit hole online on a daily basis, looking up really weird facts about ancient history. Like, he's looking (laughs) up, like, really specific details about... uh, Armenian war and the uh, the Spartan and ancient Rome and all these things because he's a guy who's weirdly obsessed with the history channel and loves history and fun facts and uh, will randomly spout those things in casual conversation. He's going to come back to practice and be like, have you guys heard of these aqueducts? And we'll be like, yeah, man.
2: (laughs) I I mean, let me just go ahead and say if you had given me a thousand guesses and the question was, what's Clay Thompson's favorite TV channel? At no point would I have thrown out the history channel. I would have fired off like Nickelodeon. I would have fired off. I mean, a thousand things before I got there. Uh, MT, sounded like you had a guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think what makes Clay Thompson amazing and why Connor said this is the best question in a long time is because no matter what our answer is and how absurd it is, it's not what Clay would do. And it would just be as amazing, whatever it really was. <laughs> but um, it just reminded me of that story uh, about Clay Thompson. Did you see how he um, told his parents that he was going to Washington State for college? No, I didn't So I said he had visited Notre Dame, really liked Notre Dame. And his dad was like, Yeah, I thought he was going to go there. And um, we're at home, and the phone rings, and it's Clay. And Clay is like, Hey, um, this is mom. He's like, Yeah, um, I committed to Washington State. And he's like, Okay, cool. And, but they were like, Clay called, but they were like, I'm pretty sure Clay was upstairs in the house. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Clay Thompson. Apparently called his parents while in the house with them to tell them he had committed to a school that they had no idea that he wanted to go to. So I think that just proves it's another Clay story for the ages, but it just shows that whatever Clay would be doing, it would be amazing including watching the history channel <laughs>
2: he has to be my favorite off the court player he has to be you know i mean just to to your point mt whatever the hell came out you wouldn't be surprised if news came out if wes or connor wrote an article that said actually clay has been spending his quarantine training slugs to play water polo you would go well okay well that's weird that's a weird thing that he's done but like i don't think it's untrue like that sounds like clay thompson um next team you got a guess for this guy
1: <laughs> i mean those are all so amazing what- What came to mind for me uh, is I could see him getting really into like a niche skill, like uh, developing film photography and like really going through all of the steps. It's kind of in the same vein as like getting deep into some historical thing. But, you know, as we're all kind of cooped up, I feel like he's going to want to get his energy out in some way. And I could see him doing a lot of like really like close up shots, you know, or like wide angle lens stuff of his dogs. Um, but then actually going through the process of like building out a dark room and getting all the chemicals and literally, um, bringing that, uh, to development.
2: He's a millionaire. He's a, you know, he has a hell of money. So whatever weirdo thing he wants to get into, he can get into it a hundred percent. Wes, I'm putting this back towards you, but I'm giving you a new player. This time I want to hear about Steph Curry. Uh, what is he doing? What like, okay. Um,
5: What is isn't he doing? Steph Curry, like, he's spending so much of his time on Instagram Live uh, that, first of all, props to him. He is sort of the he – he has taken the, the trophy. He's, he's, he's taken the mantle of being the face of the NBA during this time. He's taken it from LeBron James and Giannis. Uh, I love that. Despite him having not, Despite him having not played at all this season, like, he has now become the face of the NBA in a very, very important and uh, major way. Uh, but when he's not doing that, um, I, I I don't know what he'd be doing. like. He is maybe the opposite of Clay in that I can't picture him doing anything fun. Like he might be the beef farmer. Like I don't know what he'd be doing. I feel like he's literally just on his couch. Like he's just like what all what what we do. Like we're probably just like I don't know. Should we try Tiger King? I guess.
2: Oh, that was crazy. Like that's know- kind of what he's doing. As Connor will explain to you if I give him a second, beat farming is something you do casually, Wes. It takes a lot of time. You can't do it in quarantine. I mean, that's ridiculous. Connor, what's your guess for Steph?
4: The thing about Steph is he is the ideal husband. Like he is he's the, the husband that makes every other husband look bad. Yeah. Like he does he goes the extra mile. He get he gets the perfect Valentine's gift. He has the perfect uh, plans for his anniversary with Aisha. He does all that on point. So I think he's taking advantage of that right now and he's learning household skills like cooking, you know, he's probably <laughs> daily making some amazing crème brûlée with with Aisha or gardening in their backyard picking weeds, you know, doing everything that would make Aisha happy. I I, I could see him doing that. I know he put together his own basketball hoop, which took him about five hours. He didn't hire anyone. He did it himself. So he's trying to be handy around the house. Is he the kind of guy that Aisha would, like,
5: test the new recipe and she would just, like, give it to him at the counter? And she'd be like, hey, just try this. Let me know what you think. But be honest, okay, because I'm trying this maybe for the restaurant. He's like, yeah, no problem. And it, like, takes, like, a bite and then he like politely says it's really good even though he thinks it's
2: gross. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And Aisha is the type of person who wants him to lie if he hates it, especially if she's exactly. already decided if it's going into the restaurant. She doesn't need to hear him be like, oh, you need to add like, I don't know, uh, Cuban or something. Like there's no goddamn way. She wants it to be answered yes and he would definitely do that for her.
1: She's here to help. Food I ever just takes me. Her facial has funched her lips. Ugh! people! That I can't even talk about. Alright everyone! gird your loins!
3: I'm gonna eat an onion bagel.
2: And I am going to run with your answer, Connor, because I agree with you, but I'm going to shift it a little bit. He strikes me as the kind of dude who would do like super annoying couple things, right? Like, like the... uh, in fact I believe they've already released a video where they re-enact as a family a scene from uh, The Devil Wears Prada. But that's exactly what I mean. I bet you like he and the family are out somewhere singing songs from The Sound of Music or like all dressing up like the Adams family and taking pictures for no reason. Like the kind of that when I hear about, I get annoyed because really I'm just jealous that my family is not close enough to do that kind of crap in their free time. That's what I bet he is doing.
4: That's 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 a great guess. I, you're totally right. By the way,
2: <laughs> any additional guesses, boys?
3: I think you nailed it. I mean, I think everybody kind of gets that Steph personality, so nothing new to add here. Just that uh, plus one, all of that stuff. And he's already making me look bad, and i he hasn't even done anything. <laughs> yeah,
4: well,
2: I'll give us one last name, and I'll go first. The last name is Andrew Wiggins. Here's what I think he's doing. Sitting motionless at home, staring at a. But I don't know anything about him. I could be really wrong. So you guys tell me. Who knows? What the hell is this fool doing?
5: So Andrew Wiggins is... So he gets up at like I don't know eleven thirty in the morning, right? And he just sort of like moses his way out of out of bed. He kind of like go walks into the kitchen. He's like frosted flakes or like regular flakes today. And he picks up the regular flakes and he's like an hour later.
2: An hour later, after he's gone back and forth,
5: obviously. Yeah, he's like soy milk, perfect, unsweetened, obviously. Uh, and then. And then he, like, I don't know, like, a couple hours goes by, not really sure what happened to the time. And then he sits in front of his laptop, kind of scrolls onto Nike.com, and he's like, you know what? And he, like, looks over at his girlfriend, he's like, I might get crazy today. And she's like, what? He's like, I'm going to order a new sweatsuit. She's like, what? Really? What color? And he's like, no, I told you I'm getting crazy. I'm going to go blue. And she's just going to be like, wow, easy. Uh, and then he orders it, and then he just sits by the door for, like, five to seven business days. Waiting for this thing to <laughs> arrive, and then he gets it and puts it on, and then goes back to his frosted flakes.
2: And then he returns it because blue is too crazy of a color, and he made a mistake. He should go back to his. <laughs> he, looks, he looks in the mirror.
5: He's like, "I made a huge mistake. I should back."
2: So like you, you, have a, you get paid twenty-seven million dollars a year,
5: babe, and he's like, "Doesn't matter. It's the point. It's the principle." It's exactly
2: right. Somewhere in that five to seven days, he gets a text message from Steph Curry with his whole family <laughs> singing some sound of music song, and he sends him back a thumbs up emoji, and that's it. That is that is his entire activity throughout the entire time. Uh, perfect. I I believe we've nailed that, so I'm going to push us towards a question. Oh, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta oh, jump please. into this. I'm please, sorry. of course. On, I, course. Ha-
4: I know, I know for a fact that Andrew Wiggins is in Huntington, West Virginia, right now, um, which is where, <laughs> which is where his girlfriend is from, um, and he met her in high school, at Huntington Prep. Uh, so they're at a, their house in Huntington, West Virginia. I'm not sure if you've ever been to West Virginia, but my brother-in-law is from Huntington, and my sister got married there, and it is a small (laughs) town, uh, very, very slow-paced, very much Andrew Wiggins' best. The only things to do there are to go fishing, and pretty much that's it. So I'm guessing he is fishing um, a lot, and probably leaving the house other than that only to like walk their dog around he and, and he's hanging out with his daughter and that's pretty much the extent and he's honestly loving it and he has no desire for the NBA season <laughs> to come back
2: here's some quick legal analysis I'm right now reading the shelter and plus uh, guidelines from California and one of the things that is not listed that's cool to do is go visit your girlfriend in West Virginia <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he may want to dial that back a little bit but you know I'm not Gavin Newsom I'll leave it to him um I do need to ask you this. So this one's more serious, but it's it's something that's crazy important. And let me admit something to you before I ask it. So the Warriors have this $17 million trade exception. And I've brought it up at least 50 times on this show. At least. And I've brought it up during bar conversations way more. And every time I talk about it, I use a vocal inflection that suggests I know exactly what it is. And if you were to ask me a follow-up question, you're hella hell of stupid, so you probably should not do that. The reason I use that vocal inflection, boys, I don't know what the hell the $17 million trade exception is. I don't know how it works. I don't totally understand it. But I do understand that it's an asset. So what I'd like to do is kind of twofold. One, just ask you what the $17 million trade exception is. And, you know, nobody's listening to this, so I'm not really showing my ignorance to anybody. And then <laughs> I've got a list of players who I'd like to throw towards the group and to see whether or not they could use that $17 million on them, and also should they. So let's start with the big baseline. What the hell is a $17 million trade exception?
5: They have $17.2 million created by trading Andre Godala. That was how much money he was set to make this year. You trade him into zero cap space uh, to the Grizzlies, and then you basically that seventeen million $2 2 million dollar figure sort of repopulates as what is called this traded player exception. So now it's it's kind of the way of the NBA sort of like it's kind of like the balance of the universe type situation. So because they traded that salary into zero cap space, um, they didn't take any salary back. So now that within a year they're able to take that same amount of salary back onto their cap sheet, right? And uh gotcha. and just absorb that player without having to give um, any sort of salary back. So, so the fun, like fundamentally, what this means for the Warriors is that they can use this seventeen point two million dollar traded player exception as the material to trade for a player who makes up for that salary. Now, the one thing you can't do is add another salary to that, right? So you can't take Kevon Looney's five million dollar contract and make it and and now have this twenty three point two million dollar trade package. It doesn't I work understand. that way. But, okay. So. Been, and then, but you can add draft picks to it. So you can't so add more salary to it, but you can't add draft picks.
3: You're and trading. also, one other thing is, you can go over the cap with it, right? Like, we won't be hard capped like we are this year. But as soon as we hit the cap, you can go over the salary cap with the trade exception amount.
5: That's right. That it acts just like gotcha. it acts like a it acts like a ghost is making seventeen point two million dollars. You can always exactly. trade that for matching salary.
2: Sure. so yeah. es- essentially in some ways you are most likely trading cap space for a player fair to say it? that's that's exactly what it is uh, okay. and so it's interesting because now
5: depending on what happens with the salary cap right if, it, if it's going to decrease but depending on how much it decreases by that traded player exception now represents a greater percentage of the salary cap right and so it has that much more valuable on an open market because if i don't know let's say the uh, Philadelphia 76ers are trying to like just get rid of some of their tax bill for next year. Yep. Uh, the Warriors can help them do that by taking a salary
2: on. And so now this becomes that much more valuable. So it seems to me there's two ways to look at this. In fact, there are two interrelated ways. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. One is one man's treasure is another man's trash, right? So take away the money implications of this. What the $17 million trade exception allows you to do is if you go to a franchise, they've given up on a player who they've paid too much money, you can say, hey, just give us that contract, it's our problem. And then you try to restart his career. So I can see an upside on that. But the second one is the, you can, you can take a team who has cat problems or who doesn't want to spend the amount of money that their current team requires them to spend. And you can give them an, an option to give up talent that they actually value, but they're willing to give up because of money problems. And the reason I make that distinction is because with this suspension, A lot of teams are going to be in money problems. And, I, you know, who knows? We'll never hear it from Lakab. we'll never hear it from Goober, but I get the impression you're not one of these teams. So if that's true, if they're in the catbird seat and they're fine financially and they've got this $17 million exception and there's other teams out there who like players but are willing to cough them up because they don't want to pay the money, this could be a really valuable thing. Am I right?
5: No, you oh, get the hundred there. And what you you can actually get like a useful player who's probably making too much money, like more than he's worth, but then also get a draft pick back in return. Kind of like what the Warriors did. They had to send a first round pick with Andre Ugadala to Memphis. They could turn around within a year of that and do basically the same thing, get a useful player plus a draft pick because they have the leverage like you're saying.
2: Okay.
5: But I go. think so, that's
4: their ideal scenario. I think that's plan A. Let's say they get the number one pick. If they could find a suitor who is willing to give them a legitimate, bona fide, helpful, proven rotation player, and let's say a, a mid-to-late lottery pick for the number one pick, they would take that. Uh, they like Anthony Edwards, but they don't love him so much that they're they're not going to be willing to trade that sure. pick. Um, so that that's plan A, um, because you could get someone who you can groom into – a rotation piece in, in a year or two, but you don't have the pressure of a top five pick on them. You know, maybe you have a guy like I'm uh, um, blanking on it. I always blank on his name, the RJ Hampton out of Australia. He's from the States, but he played in Australia this year. Maybe they really like him and they want to, they, they think he has the potential to become an all-star caliber guy down the line, but they don't need to use a top five pick on him. You trade sure. down, you draft him and you get like a Ricky Rubio, or an Eric Bledsoe or someone like that. And
2: hold on draft analysis, Connor, because I have a huge question for you specifically for the draft, which will come next. But for the $17 million trade exception, here's what I want to do. I've put together kind of a list of names. They didn't come from me. I'm not smart enough to do it. They came from the people who are nice enough to follow us on Twitter. I asked them, hey, what players would you like out there? And these are are the highlights of the names that came back. So what I want all of you to do is give me two answers. Could they do it? Should they do it? Right? So the first name I have for you is Kelly Oubre, a guy we have talked about as a trade target uh, before they gave up D'Angelo. So let's start with Wes and Connor and then go to Maxime and, uh, and Marcus. Could they do this? Should they do this? Could they do
5: it? Yes. I mean, this is assuming that the other team would be willing to part with this player. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Okay. Okay, could they do it? Yes, he fits He fits under the $17.2 million. Should they do it? I would have said yes before they traded for Andrew Wiggins. I don't think that the solution to their need for length and athleticism on the perimeter is solved by acquiring Andrew Wiggins, but I do think that Oubre and Wiggins are a little bit too duplicate, uh, duplicative, yep. and I just don't know that you could – like, you would have to bench one of them, and I don't think either of them would function well coming off the bench. Those are just not the sort of players you want coming off the bench. They both are kind of need to be around like the Steph and Clay and Draymond. They need to be sort of bracketed by those players. And so you're going to you're gonna give one sort of the short end of the stick there. And I just don't think that's a good allocation of resources.
2: I like that. Okay. And Connor goes to you and just take the second half of it. And I'll, I'll alter our format here. We'll acknowledge uh, Wes as our analytics guy. So the first question could will go only to him should goes to the remainder. Connor, should they make this move for Uber?
4: Uh, no, they should not make this move. And I, I agree with Wes. I just I don't think that given the fact that you have Andrew Wiggins that you need someone like Oubre. I like Oubre. He, he's coming off a career year. He's only 24 years old. But he's around the same age as, as Wiggins. I don't think he's as good of a player as Andrew Wiggins. And so best case scenario, he's a helpful guy off the bench. He's like your seventh man. Um, and I think that they'd potentially be giving up too much for a guy who's only going to be – you know, a helpful role guy. So uh, I don't think they should do it.
2: Marcus, my
3: So this is assuming that we're keeping Wiggins. Um, If that's true, then I agree with Wes and Connor. I'm not just, I'm just not sure that we're keeping Wiggins. So um, if Wiggins is not on the go ahead. What do you mean?
2: You're not sure they're keeping Wiggins. You'd foresee a trade for him.
3: I mean, I would, I still I mean, who knows now, but I still thought that you package up the first round pick and Wiggins and, um, you know, you try to go after another player. But I think if that doesn't happen, I agree. I think he's duplicative skill wise um, as Wiggins and probably I think Wiggins is a little bit of a better player. So um, I'm a big fan of Kelly Oubre. I think he would fit well. I like his his edge and his nastiness that he would bring. Um, I think he'd be right below Draymond in that category. Um, but I don't think he's a great fit for, for using that exception on huh?
4: it's that edge. Of it build that, that? It's... They, they really like Wiggins, um, and barring like a crazy trade, maybe for a Bradley Beal or, or something for, uh, Giannis or something like that. They're going to keep Wiggins, uh, at least see how next season goes. They, they're really high on him at the end of this season, or at least when the shutdown game,
2: is there a Bradley Beal trade possibility?
4: I think that it's possible. Um, uh, I just throw that name out there because that's there's been a lot of speculation about that. Um, and I know they like Bradley Bill. So I think there's a possibility. But more than likely, I, I I really see them keeping Wiggins for the long term. I'm on board for
2: Maxime, you're up next. I'm on board for this for sure. and and Wes, if you got another take, I want to hear it as well. But here's the reason. This team has a lot of things. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of shooting. They have a lot of scoring. They have a lot of intelligence. There's a lot of intangibles. There's a lot of things I can point to. You know what they don't have a lot of? Nastiness. There's one guy. One guy. And so if Oubre can come in and double some of the things that Wiggins can, but many things that Wiggins cannot, if we had another person who could play nasty defense alongside Draymond, I'm on board for that bring him in. Wes, cut you off. What do you
5: got? I'm just, I'm surprised how many people on this podcast prefer Wiggins over Oubre. I mean, not even like the salary thing, because Ubre makes about $10 million less a year than Wiggins, but like let's just ignore that. I think Ubre is clearly a better player than Andrew Wiggins is. I mean, I know that nobody watches Phoenix games anymore, but I'm pretty sure that I would take Ubre in a vacuum over Andrew Wiggins at this point. Plus, double... Um, he is, signed, he is one of the few Converse athletes in the NBA alongside uh,
2: Draymond Green. That <laughs> doesn't not matter. <laughs> well, I feel like it doesn't matter. But, I mean, you know, whatever. That, that's fine. Uh, Maxime, I'm going to aim you towards a different player. Before you give me the should, let me ask Wes the could. Evan Fournier, Wes. Could they use it on him? They could. All right. Maxime, what do you got?
1: Well... Um first of all, I uh, I'm in just cuz he's got some French roots. Um Ugh. <laughs> uh, I I think he's, you know, that he's from France. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: what he meant by French roots. Don't you worry about that. This podcast has a history of saying that Fournier might or might not be the French word for pornography. So we don't have a real solid relationship with him.
1: But I digress. Maxine, back to you. I'm here to rectify this relationship for our next, um, you know, combo guard wing player and Evan Fournier. I think. uh, I think this is the beginning of a new relationship. I'm about it. I think he's had a really excellent. Showing this season, um, and is a big part of what's happening in Orlando. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would do it. Connor, West. I like Evan Fournier, and
4: uh, I think I like Evan Fournier more than West. Uh, I would strongly consider it, and I, I would, you know, if the if the pick swap was good enough, I would probably do it. I think, I think that uh, it would be mid mid first round because I believe Orlando's the eighth seed. Uh, in the East, so you know, looking at 15th pick, I would probably do that uh, for a top five pick. Um, he's he's a guy who could go come in day one and be your go-to option in that second unit. He's a he's an improved facilitator. Um, I think he's a much better player than people give him credit for. So he's not that old. So I'd go with Evan Fournier for sure.
2: And to clarify, Connor, what you're saying is, if the Warriors wanted to do this. They couldn't just trade the cap space to Orlando to get him back. They would have to do a pick swap in addition to the seventeen million dollar trade exception.
4: I didn't say they would have to do that, but it was to me that's what would make the most sense. Um, gotcha. You know, I, I feel like Orlando would be open to doing that, and and it would it would definitely be an enticing offer if to did the pick swap with with Fournier. Yeah, if they ended up swapping picks to get Evan
5: Fournier, I think you should just fire Bob Myers and the entire staff. That seems like a really <laughs> bad idea.
2: Uh, I, I, F- I you West, I, I, ladies I, and gentlemen. Yes, let's go. <laughs> uh,
4: hey,
5: look,
2: no. Wow.
5: Are you Kidding
4: me? A top
5: five pick <laughs> to get down to the middle of the first round for Evan Fournier, what? who, by the way, is under a contract. <laughs> I don't care. The guy's one year left on his deal. How old is Evan Fournier? Like thirty, twenty-seven, whatever. Like I don't, I don't need it. Like you don't move on. Like Evan Fournier has probably already played the best basketball of his life. I think that's fair to say. And uh, I don't, I don't think you move on from a top five pick regardless if, if it's for Evan Fournier. Like I'm sorry, especially at him making seventeen million dollars for one more year left on this contract, so he can walk away. After this season, there's just no way. Let you me could say top this, I didn't that. know
4: his contract situation. Okay, that's why I'm an analyst. Second guys. of all, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. the thing is, he they would do this if there was a guy they could get in a late lottery or at 15 who they really wanted. It's very possible, given how fluid this draft is, that there's guys they like more that they can get there than guys they could even get at four or five. That's how fluid this draft is.
2: Okay. Rule number two, Connor. This one's for you. So I had to remind Wes if you're gonna if you're gonna quote anybody, it has to be me, Connor. For you, if we're gonna refer to this draft, we have to refer to it as top heavy, and you cannot say that it is. Sh-. We're not allowed to do that. This draft is going to change the Warriors, and I don't want to hear anything else.
4: Okay. Fine. <laughs> also, for, also uh,
5: can I just say 48th contract is? I, I said it once already, but seventeen million dollars. I don't care if you acquire that with a trade exception a pick swap, whatever. You don't trade. You, you just. I don't think you pay Evan Fournier seventeen million dollars. You know who does the magic. You know who hasn't done anything ever. The magic. So okay. I just. I. I, I don't. That's just you don't want to like trace in those footsteps. Is all I'm saying.
2: Marcus and Maxime, mental note. So we. I mean, we know this. We love Connor. We love West. There. They are welcome on the show anytime they want. They've got a co-hosting gig should they like it. But another thing I want you to note is. Every time we can, let's lock up Wes before he comes on the show. I mean, like, when he's on quarantine, man, he's angry and phenomenal. (laughs) So let's just make sure this continues. Uh, Let me give you another name, boys. This one is Joe Harris. Wes, could, should. Uh, Joe Harris is going to
5: be a free agent this year, No. Yes. So he wouldn't even qualify.
2: Yeah. God are. damn it, Twitter! I was testing you, Wes, <laughs> and you passed my test. Congratulations! Instead, I'll give you another name. One I think I'm excited for, but I'm not positive of. Gallinari.
5: So Danilo Gallinari is another one who is going to be who has a player option. This uh, off season, he's opting and in, so That's, you can know for he's sure he's opting in. Especially now, he's opting in, and yes. even so, even if he weren't opting in, I think it's at twenty million
2: dollars, so he would not qualify. Yep. Damn it, two straight back to back again.
4: Maybe I shouldn't you be. trying to turn- vet these, Wes. I mean, Graham, you gotta vet these. Thanks, Connor. I
2: appreciate you doing that. Maxim, go ahead and cut <laughs> that out too yourself, Connor.
4: <laughs> I can only
2: hope that this one's viable. If it's not, I mean, this might be the nail in the coffin. Spencer Dinwiddie. Free agent. He makes too much money, doesn't he? God damn it. F*** you, Twitter. No, I'm I'm kidding. i was so uh, <laughs> joking, too. Don't you worry about that. Go ahead.
5: Uh, he's actually a free agent, and but his thing would... Uh, he's a free agent, and in order to make it work, they would have to do... Um, I think this is just a good time to bring this up. They would have to do a sign and trade, which they to make to make this trade in a vacuum work. They would have to do it in a sign trade. However, the Warriors cannot do a sign and trade because they are already projected to be 50, to, to be paying fifty million dollars in luxury taxes. Almost that feel like and a really
2: to- way to say this is another player who you can't analyze. Go f- yourself on that. Okay. Instead, instead, I'm going to flip it on its head and ask you this: Who would you go after? If You're Bob Myers. Your understanding of where they stand within the, uh, the the tax implications, what kind of money they have to spend, what player would you target and why? You see what I did there, Wes? I took it away from me I and did. just put it to your shoulders. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Uh,
5: I have one dream player that I would chase, and then three realistic targets that I think you could uh, add. Uh, the dream, the dream target is Josh Richardson, and I want to. Acknowledge one thing very quickly. Uh, Anthony Slater, who does good work over at The Athletic, included Josh Richardson in his uh, list of targets, which included like 50 players or something. Uh, I want to uh, acknowledge this now, and I know, Connor, you could back me up. I got the receipts. I got the timestamps. I was texting Connor about (laughs) Josh Richardson like a week ago before Slater's thing came out and saying that this is the guy that that Bob Myers and company should be calling about. Uh, he makes about ten million dollars next year. He's 26 years old. He's the exact player the Warriors need. Exact player. He is a tremendous defensive player. I mean, all like de- like all defense team type of defensive talent. If he puts it all together, um, he can handle the ball. He can. He's a knockdown shooter. He can come off screen. He doesn't need the ball in his hands, um, and he's got plenty of experience. And he's young and he's like right in that age range who, where you can trust him to do things in the postseason. Um, but he's still got some upside. So I would be calling him. I would be calling the Sixers about him and offering a top five pick. If it's top three, I think you have a real conversation there where you can offer Philadelphia. Hey, if this whole, you can go get one of these. It's a top heavy draft as we've acknowledged. And there's a lot of point guards at the top there. You can go get your point guard of the future. You can go get a guard who can play next to Ben Simmons and, and, And you can get off of this uh, Josh Richardson contract, too, um, because they're one of the teams that are having the uh, highest payroll next year. So that's the target I would go after. The flip side is the Sixers might not want to do it because they want to be good right now. And and trading a good 26-year-old for a rookie who may or may not be any good is not the best way to be good right now. That said, that's my dream target. My other three targets are Ricky Rubio, Eric Bledsoe, and Rudy Gay.
2: Hey, Wes, this is embarrassing for me. I, I just didn't flip the page. There's actually one more name I wanted to run by you. Josh Richardson. Do you think that would be a good target? Or f*** yourself, Wes. Connor, who do you got?
4: Yeah, just being realistic about it, I think Eric Bledsoe makes a lot of sense. Why? I, I, I be be a go-to scorer off that bench. You know, put average a good 14, 15 a game and be a key piece of a championship contender and also maybe take pressure off of whatever rookies you have. Um, And then if if you don't end up packaging the trade exception with a draft pick, I really do like Rudy Gay. Uh, If you just, just straight up for the trade exception, I think that the Spurs would have to strongly consider that because I think they need to be in full rebuild mode and Rudy Gay doesn't fit, their timetable uh for that rebuild. So uh I think that they could make that happen and I think he's someone they've liked for a long time and I think he could be really helpful, you know, in the next couple of years.
2: I'm on board. I like it. I have other Twitter names, but I'm too embarrassed by the failures in the past. So I will just push us on to the next topic. Connor, my next question was going to be who would the Warriors draft? And I was going to open it up to the entire field. But instead of doing that, I'm gonna direct it at you specifically, and only you, and here's why. So just last week, we had a full podcast designed to get a sense of who the Warriors were looking at and who they might bring in, and we brought in Christian Peake, who I'm a huge fan of and is our draft guru. But one of the things that Christian expressed was that LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman both remain very large options for the Warriors, and the reason I put that out there now is because that was in direct contrast to an article you had just published saying that those two guys were no longer on the warriors draft board so i want to turn it to you and get a sense of who you believe the warriors are considering and whether or not wiseman and ball are officially off the warriors list
4: yeah and i listen to the podcast and i i have no issue with kristen i i respect her opinion i will say that I would not have reported that unless I was 100% confident in my reporting. That's that's information that I've had since October and constantly have uh, confirmed. So, uh, And my sources were really sound on that. So um, I do feel confident that the Warriors are not high on James Wiseman or LaMelo Ball. And uh, if they got the number one pick in the draft and did not trade down, they would take – Anthony Edwards. Now, a lot of people hear that and they think, how could they already know? The draft isn't for at least a couple more months. Well, keep in mind, the Warriors have known since October, since Steph got injured on October 30th, that they're almost definitely going to have a top five pick. So, they have zeroed in on the guys who could go top five for months now, and they, they know everything they need to know about these guys at this point. They have strong opinions at this point on all those guys. So, they they're still they're still doing their due diligence they're still looking at every guy in this draft but they know how they feel about those guys and they're not high on on wiseman or ball
2: from your understanding having worked with them for four years are the warriors the type of franchise to give you information just to send out false smoke signals to the rest of the league
4: well first of all i'm not i'm not going to say that my sources is just with the warriors but uh the no they have not ever given me that indication everyone that I've talked to in the organization has been nothing but honest and the, the the thing that you need to understand about the Warriors is the Warriors have never been a paranoid organization they're not the type of team that uh, worries that much about what's being written about them that worries that much about information that's out there they feel very confident in how they go about things and they don't really worry about all the noise. So, you know, other franchises might freak out if they read a report like that. I did not, I did not hear a single word from the organization when, when that report was published, which just tells you that they're not worried about it.
2: Wes, if it was up to you, who would the Warriors draft?
4: Uh, Assume they have the one one pick. pick.
5: Yep. One pick. Anthony Edwards. I think that's, it's pretty, like, the James Wiseman thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't think the Warriors are, are interested in Wiseman either. I'm hearing the same kind of stuff. Uh, they're not interested in number one and paying a center $10 million a year. Like, you would have to pay Wiseman if you make him number one pick. And I don't think they're interested in Wiseman as just a skill set player as, from just the talent level. I don't think that they view him as a safe pick. I don't think they view him as, you know, a good allocation of that asset. Uh, Anthony Edwards fits what they need. He's the guy who can handle the ball. He projects His shooting projects well to the NBA level, even though it's a little inefficient at Georgia. Um, and uh, defensively, he has all the tools to guard several different uh, positions. It's kind of a no-brainer if you end up with a number one pick to take Anthony Edwards.
2: It's really good that during our last podcast, I did not go out of my way to say they should definitely take James Wiseman. I mean, if I had done that, this would be kind of an embarrassing moment for me. But <laughs> it, that's <laughs> not what happened. So I don't have to worry about that. And we can just move forward.
4: Or, Brim, you've, you've followed the Warriors longer than both Wes and I. You know how they treat that center position. They have never felt the need to have a high-scoring center. They want that center position to be a guy who can be an offensive full He's a good passer. And, and honestly, I'm not saying he necessarily has the upside that Wiseman has, but Marquise Chris is a better fit for the Warriors system right now than James Wiseman. I think if they did, for whatever reason, end up drafting James Wiseman, Wiseman would not be their starting center on day one, and that feels like a waste with the top five pick. So that is the big and reason getting, why. And getting paid
5: five
2: I, times as much as Marquise Chris.
4: I, I, I can like, tell yeah, you that. exactly. I've been rooting for this
2: team long enough to remember when Brony Cikly was our starting center. When we had such bird losers that like nobody was making any intelligent decisions. So and if you would like your s-
4: highest scoring center, you should of- have uh, you shut up. That's exactly right. Girl.
2: And when they when they desperately tried to re-sign him, he said, "I would prefer go back to my war torn home country instead of re-sign here." So if they brought in James Wiseman, I, that would not be the worst center I've seen play at all. And I, and again, like I said, I didn't want them to draft Wyatt James Wiseman, and I don't know why you think that. And anyone who listened to the last podcast, don't you worry about that. Just ignore everything that I
1: said. Bram, <laughs> I got a question for you. Did were Please. you? Ex- Expecting when Connor started talking about how you've been following this team for longer than, than he and Wes has, that he was about to be like, so I defer to you and I trust that you have a reasonable take on this? Because that's where I thought he was going, and instead he kind of shows you.
2: Wait, that's not what he said? Because when he said that, <laughs> I just stopped listening. I got so happy in the beginning of it that how it ended, God knows. And if that's not what he said, Maxime, don't bring that up. Let's just move on. Man. Let's, <laughs> let's pretend like it was a positive take and I'm going to use that to thrust us into a new segment my new favorites or my new favorite segment probably an overused segment but it is what it is boys our new segment is called brackets and what it acknowledges is that everybody loves filling out brackets it's one of the best things we can do in sports so for this segment i come up with a question and then we use a bracket to determine its answer here's my question who is the most obnoxious fan base in the nba and luckily i've put together an eight fan base team bracket to go through and determine who the ultimate answer is i'm not going to give you all eight seeds. instead we're going to immediately jump in with the one eight matchup the one seed Laker fan, L.A. Laker fan, one of the worst, and not one of, in my opinion, obviously, they are the top seed, the worst fan base out there, at least right now. Eight seed, somewhat related, Cleveland fan, but specific brand of Cleveland fan. Cleveland fan, while LeBron was there, and while they thought they were the best team in the league. So, Connor, I'm going to put this to you first, what we are deciding between the Lakers and Cleveland who is the worst, most annoying, most obnoxious fan base there is? What do you got?
4: Oh, that's that's a that's that's tough because they're they're both pretty bad. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lakers, um, and I, this might be a little biased because I grew up in Portland when the Blazers, the Dale Blazers, were rivals with the Lakers, and I just hated that fan base so much. It felt like a lot of Lakers fans just loved. The, 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 the obnoxious color scheme and, and the douchiness of a lot of their players and didn't actually follow the team. It was just like they loved the, the, the douchiness. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Lakers.
2: Wes, goes to you. Cleveland you Dynastic would, fan or Laker fan? You would
5: think I would almost have like the same take but the opposite answer from Connor because I grew up a Heat fan. And so when like LeBron went back to Cleveland, obviously they were all and you were supposed to be like really petty if you were a Heat fan at that time. I never bought into that. As much as I wish I were a more petty person, which it might shock you, I'm not. Um I never really I never got into that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Lakers fans. I don't have a problem with Lakers fans because I didn't grow up on the west coast, so I don't have the same experience as you guys do. Uh, but they are definitely obnoxious. Like everybody knows that. And the only reason I know that is because they're so obnoxious. you didn't have to grow up in California or around California. To recognize that they their obnoxiousness just expands like nationally and globally uh and so for that reason i i think that they are a good number one seed here
2: i'm gonna keep my powder dry because we already know the lakers are moving on so i'll wait for the next matchup but uh marcus who you got here
3: i'm gonna go lakers too i mean i think it's a close one um but i think the way I don't know, they're just so entitled. I mean, deservedly so, they've won a bunch of titles, but it's just, I I remember them traveling to Warriors games and, you know, they would sometimes be louder, um, you know, than we would at moments. So, and that's saying a lot because we usually have a a strong fan base. So, um, you know, it's just annoying. And I think they've won so much that it's just, you know, they're the Yankees of basketball, so. they're a little more annoying, but, you know, they're, it's a close race because Cleveland fans, when they were winning with LeBron, just, I don't know, they were really annoying. So, um, but I'm going to give the edge to the Lakers.
2: It's it's not close. You've broken me out of this. I'm going to say it's the Lakers by a fucking landslide. I, I was super annoyed by the Cleveland fans as well, but it's got to be Laker fan. And here's why. The only time they're involved is when they're good Alice Caruso this year, right? MVP, everyone's all involved. It's because they're good, so they're paying attention again. When Nick Van Exel was playing for them, when it was pseudo-showtime, but they weren't actually winning anything, when it was the Lake Show, nobody cared. We weren't hearing Nick Van Exel for MVP. It's because they weren't a championship team. That that fan base tunes out the second they aren't good. It's Lakers in a landslide. But, Maxine, where are you at on this, man? Please tell me you agree.
1: I oh, completely agree agree i think the operative word here is entitlement like i I can cleveland had such a dearth of titles across all sports that like you know i mean i hated it because we were up against them but i totally get why they get excited when they're actually having a shot for what for a moment but the lakers is just this like sustained obnoxiousness so i'm right there with you bram
2: they move on we go to the other side of the bracket boys the two seed lebron fan not a team fan Not a specific franchise fan. I'm talking about those guys who whatever the hell LeBron goes, whatever team he's playing for, they root for that team versus the seventh seed. And you may think that this no longer exists, like I'm talking about the Sasquatch or the Yeti or something. But no, they're still out there. New York fan. Wes, start us off. LBJ fan versus New York fan. Who's the most obnoxious? Nick you're talking about, right? Yes, Nick's. exactly, exactly right. I um, thought I thought
5: you meant New York. I thought you were talking about New York style pizza fan, which is like <laughs> I don't even know why I thought here. No, it's ridiculous. Uh,
2: but, it's ridiculous. There'll be a whole nother bracket on most obnoxious fan of all time. Trump oh, fan makes that. New York pizza <laughs> fan makes that. Like the whole deep, extended Chicago thing. deep dish fan. It's ridiculous. Oh, he's in there for um, sure. He's in there for sure. And I can think I, Marcus uh, is that guy, by the way. But let's let's keep it
3: in our our so current good. bracket.
1: So good.
5: Can I did. Before we get to the rest of the bracket, and before I get, give you my answer here, and I just derail this conversation a, 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 a tiny bit more, uh, did did Raptors fan not actually going to Raptors game, but standing outside and watching the Raptors game on a television outside the arena,
2: <laughs> did that fan make it? Okay, fuck you, Wes. Because you know that I texted you this goddamn list last night, <laughs> and you did not give me the Toronto standing outside fan. He would have made, like, my fourth seed. I just didn't even Jurassic- think about it, so no. Not
5: here. The Jurassic Park fan, to me, should have been in this bracket, and I apologize. I should uh, have. Uh, Definitely. I just thought about it. The Jurassic Park fan is the worst. It's the mo- He's the most obnoxious fan. I don't care that you're a better fan for not paying for tickets to go to the game. That doesn't make you a better fan. Okay, goddammit. Just because is- you didn't want to sit at home with your friends and watch the game doesn't make you a better fan. Just because you wanted to stand outside of the coal and piss in your own jeans doesn't make you a better <laughs> fan. I'm sorry. This, I'm sorry. I, don't right, don't, I don't buy
2: Jurassic Park. I don't need to see this. them all the time. Don't complete this because I love this, and this is unprecedented and will never happen again in the bracket segment, but you've convinced me. Fuck New York Nick fan. I'm putting in Jurassic Park fan for the scene. and what you don't know is that I had people screaming at me all just left and right about where Ron Artest was in our previous bracket, and I didn't shift it. So take this as the compliment it's deserved to be. We now have... Two, LeBron James fan, versus seven, Jurassic Park fan. I'm going to stick with my analysis. It is still LeBron for all the reasons I said, but I will use this as an excuse to say, F- you, Jurassic Park fan. I was so <laughs> annoyed watching you stand in large masses outside. We all know you care more about hockey than anything that's ever happened in basketball. I'm sure you were confused why there wasn't a power play in this sport. I cannot stand you. You are not a legitimate fan, and I... Sh- I still pick LeBron fan. It is what it is. But Wes, we go back to you. So now you've got you changed yes. the bracket, my LeBron versus JP <laughs> fan. Who do you got?
5: Uh LeBron fan I don't have a problem with. For the reasons I mean you. use I, I who no, because everybody's against
2: you don't care about LeBron whole, fan? What are you talking about?
5: I I appreciate LeBron fans because they unlike uh what, the the argument against lakers fans right is that they only care when the team is good and that's the only time they pay attention otherwise they don't know who robert sacker is so i do think that the problem the the opposite thing is true for lebron fans they just follow him and they always care about him and they're always engaged with wherever he's at i have no problem with people just being a fan of lebron you don't have to be a fan of a team that's what makes the nba great it's about the players about the star players follow your star player you don't have to root for laundry that's fine so but jurassic park fans like, you're saving your season ticket money to go watch uh, Toronto Maple Leafs games? Sorry. Go to the freaking game or stay home. Don't stand outside like a bunch of idiots and watch a game on a bigger TV. It's ridiculous. And I don't need, and by the way, ESPN and TNT, whoever's showing it, I don't need like a million cutaways of people standing outside during the basketball game that is happening indoors. Get rid of it. I'm glad you made the switch. I don't think I'm picking against Toronto Raptors fans, Jurassic Park fans, for the rest of this bracket.
2: JP fan goes on. Connor, LeBron fan versus Jurassic Park fan. Who's the most obnoxious? I have
4: never heard people, someone hate on Raptors fans. (laughs) this As someone who was actually in Toronto for the finals, unlike Wes, and was actually around uh, (laughs) those Jurassic Park fans, I found them to be incredibly nice, uh, incredibly hospitable, Very good people. And honestly, they handled the whole thing with Kawhi with a lot of class, a lot better than most fan bases would. So I actually like them. Uh, And as far as – I don't have a huge issue with LeBron fans, but my my general thing is I think you should be a fan of the team, not the player. I know it's a star-driven league, but the team should always be a priority over the player. I don't like when a fan's allegiance changes just because a player left a team. You know, oh, I don't like the Heat anymore because now he's, you know, back on, you know, Cleveland or I don't I don't like I don't like Cleveland now because he's on the Lakers. Like, no, choose a team and like the team. So that's my issue with them. So I'm going to go with LeBron fans.
2: Of course, dude, choose an area. You know where nobody is from, from the area of LeBron. We choose for the team that is here. I'm a Warriors fan because I'm from Oakland. The idea that they just shift wherever the hell he goes definitely annoys me.
1: Just to say, Connor, I, even though they're not friends, of the, they don't know that they're friends of the pond. I know that they're friends of the pond, which is the greatest of all talk. Uh, ben Goliver and Andrew Sharp are constantly hating on the Toronto, <laughs> what they call the termites. So there is precedence for this for sure. Um, I really just threw that out for Bram because uh, <laughs> I got to rule out. Damn. Unfortunately, I did not think about how much... Uh, we don't have anything else to do anymore because we're all stuck inside, and of course, hanging out with you guys could go on for hours. So um, I stupidly scheduled another call right after this and need to jump off. Um, so I will leave the tape rolling and and let you guys hit. But uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna take seven seed over the two seed. No
4: Jurassic Park.
3: God yep. damn. So I hate the Jurassic Park fans, but I'm still going LeBron fans, and here's Let's why. Go. I think the Jurassic Park fan is annoying, but they're annoying because it's such a great idea. Like the reason why there's the big screen in front of Chase Center is because of Jurassic Park. That was our response to this amazing idea where you have all these fans cheering for you in the rain for your team who didn't go in. The fact that they were cheap and wanted to save their money is annoying and it, you know it is what it is, but the the fact that they created that second stadium outside of it was brilliant so as much as I hate it and it's annoying and it was the fact that it was against us that they got all that shine um, I can't hate it enough to vault them over the LeBron fans LeBron fans especially ones who just say LeBron is absolutely better than Michael Jordan and they didn't even watch Michael Jordan is just exactly right. so annoying to me it's like they don't and I get it. I mean, every probably every you know generation does that. Like I defend Michael Jordan to the death, and people who are older will be like, "You have no idea you didn't watch Wilt, and you didn't watch the Big O. you know, so you know the the conversation is is circular and it goes on. But for my generation and my perspective, i I don't think there's a question that Michael Jordan was better than LeBron, but LeBron fans annoyingly still, Argue that he is and they use faulty logic to defend it.
2: Of course you're right. Arguing with LeBron fan is like arguing with a fish about fire. They they like literally will refuse to acknowledge the things they do not understand, including any conversation you have with them about Jordan. But I digress. LeBron moves on. We go to a different portion can of the track. A bracket. Can I say one more thing about can I say one Just- more thing about Jurassic Park? Yo, definitely. Um, As many things as you want, man. We hate Jurassic Park.
5: I get, I get, so this has been my take for a long time on, on Twitter about the Jurassic Park thing. And I, people constantly go back to me. They're like, oh, you're hating on people that can't afford tickets, blah, blah, blah. You're hating on people that just don't have (laughs) enough money to go to a playoff game. Um, No. I'm not yeah, it has nothing to do with poor people. You know what poor people who need money aren't doing? Standing outside for hours watching a basketball game on the side of an arena. You know what they're doing? Make trying to make money or go get a job or, or
2: working their, their job. They're not doing that. All right. They're not calling off of work to do that. That's my last take. I love this. So you hate poor Canadians. I completely understand. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <We're on the laughs> page. And LeBron was and LeBron is better than Michael. We go to you. You're being ridiculous now, and I'm not going to be sucked Best down that guy rabbit goes
4: hole. I his vacation in October to go to Toronto because Toronto is such a great place. Just for the vacation. I have nothing
5: against Toronto. Toronto is an awesome place. Jurassic Park
2: is dumb. I hate Toronto. I'm moving this over to the 3 6 matchup, and it's a tough one, boys. It's a tough one. At the 3 seed, Utah fan. At the 6 seed, Ooh. Houston fan. Fan. All right. Now, I have done a ass ton of thinking on this, and I will go first. It has to be Utah. It has to be Utah. But here's why we've all assumed that Utah was racist. You know, there's been all these suggestions, in fact, way back when Rushy Simmons came on the show and he said he heard a lot of racial epithets being thrown down at both Utah players and Warriors players when he was there. So, you know, there, there's suggestion that they've had some uh, some challenges when it comes to racial thinking. But there's no question now, this year, this year, in the, during 2019, right before it went over 2020, a fan screamed something racist at Russell Westbrook. That comment may or may not have been, quote, get down on your knees like you used to, end quote. There's been some there's been some debate about that. But there's no debate on the three things that happened afterwards. One, the the jazz band is asked for life. Good for them. Two, the jazz owner had this to say.
0: This this should never happen. We are not a racist community. We believe. We believe in treating people with courtesy and respect as human beings. From time to time, individual fans exhibit poor behavior and forget their manners. Some disrespect players on other teams. When that happens, I want to jump up and shout, stop. We have a code of conduct in this arena. It will be strictly enforced.
2: If you see a stop sign somewhere, right, a stop sign that was not there beforehand, what that means is there was at least like four or five hundred thousand dollars of accidents at that exact location, and the government decided they needed a stop sign. If you hear an owner come out and say, "Hey, we're not racist, but maybe you should stop being racist," there have been at least five thousand racists there, but finally three, and here's my biggest shot I can take at Utah fan. So. This fan may or may not have said something racist. The Jazz definitely kicks him out for life. And then the fan files a lawsuit in the 4th District Court saying his seats shouldn't have been taken away from him. And here's why, boys. Quote, Mr. Kiesel's heckling was of the same kind and caliber as that of the other audience members in the section. That came from his lawsuit. So I don't feel like there's a whole lot of leeway here. These people are racist pieces of shit. They take the three seed over Houston. I mean, Houston's a terrible fan base, but I'm moving them on. That's my pick. Uh, Connor, let's go to you. Utah versus Houston. Who do you got?
4: Honestly, that's, that's tough um, for a couple reasons. But I'm going to go with Houston uh, because – I feel you're like the K-K-K. they don't actually have much of a fan base, um, but they're the most bandwagon fan base I think I've seen in the NBA. When they're not that great, no one is at the Toyota Center. And then when they are good and they're making a deep playoff run, they are completely obnoxious and they completely ignore the fact that uh, James Harden is, is borderline cheating half the time so i'm gonna go with houston just because i don't think it's a genuine fan base
2: and to be fair to you because i also have this clip when they do get good they lose all sense of class in fact there was this one instance and here's the clip from it where they took shots at both Aisha curry and Dell curry so they're not the best of people
4: hey look Aisha, we're gonna be try at home Sorry, it, it's, it's used to talk. It's used to talk. Look, look at her. She's all bitter and sour. I, oh, look, look at her. Look at her. She's all bitter and sour. She's all bitter and sour. Look at her. She's being our rude. She's being our rude. Look, look at Papa Curry. He's all but her, too. Papa Curry.
2: Uh, Wes, we turn to you. Where are you
5: on? Uh, first of all, this could be the finals. Like, the fact that this is the 3-6 right now, is incredible. This is this is the this is that first round matchup that everybody tunes in for. Uh, this is like the eight thirty on TNT matchup that, <laughs> that gets good. like this is it. Um, Houston, the Houston fan base. No fan base makes more excuses than Rockets fans. It's that's, sure, it, it is just it, they make so many. Well, if we didn't miss forty three three pointers in a row, it's like all right, uh, maybe get to the basket once. <laughs> uh, they 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 defend James Harden like nobody else. They defend James Harden and completely shun on Russell Westbrook for his entire career, and as soon as Westbrook's on the Rockets, what? Us? on Westbrook? We never did that. We always respected his game. And it's, just, it's the most incredible thing, not because anything that is not, like, you don't have to attack the Rockets for the Rockets fans to defend the Rockets. You can literally just compliment a different player for a different team, and everybody like, well, he's no James Harden. What are you saying? And so it's like, Giannis, he's really good. It's like, yeah, he is good. But he's also freaking James Harden. Have you seen his offensive rating numbers? They're through the roof. Uh, And so for that reason, I almost. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But, but, Well, go ahead. Please. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you and I are both Jews. You gave a a tremendous argument, uh, as obnoxious as Houston fans are and as fair weather as they are. And. Uh, as excuse making as they are, at least they're not racist, <laughs> mostly. So like to me, like racism is pretty bad, especially in today's age. Like racism is probably the worst thing. So uh, I think that <laughs> it, it would be I think that and, and when it gets to owners, like maybe the most if we did a most obnoxious owner fan uh, uh, bracket, like Tillman Fertitta and the the jazz owner would also probably be the final round. So I, I think that o- the owners cancel each other out. Therefore, it's a trickle-down effect. Both fan bases are pretty obnoxious. They both make a ton of excuses. They, mo- they both back up their arguments with ridiculous stats like screen assist, for Rudy Gobert, and stuff like that. But ultimately, Jazz fans are racist and
3: Rockets fans aren't, so Jazz fans get to move on. MT,
2: put the cherry on top. What do you got here?
3: Yeah, I... Uh... It's it's Utah, and it's not even close. I mean, I, the the racism sticks out. We all know about it, and you guys have covered it with R- Russell Westbrook. You know, when that all went down, um, Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, uh, Ronnie Price, who played for the Jazz, uh, Draymond, they all said, oh yeah, that is by far the most racist fan base. I hear the N-word all the time. So, you know, there's all those reasons, but that's not the story that I use to crown them the champions. Um, and I think this is gonna carry them all the way through this bracket. They <laughs> they traded, so Derek Fisher was traded to the Utah Jazz. He goes and plays a few games there and then his 18 month old daughter is, or maybe 11 month, I don't even know if she was a year. Infant daughter was diagnosed with a rare form of eye cancer, has cancer in her eye as an infant. He requests to leave the team and go tend to his daughter. And the owner says, okay. He flies back, handles her, like, makes sure that she's okay. He comes back, plays in a game, and ends up hitting a shot, sending it to overtime for Utah, and end up winning a game in a playoff. He's getting a standing ovation. Players are doing, you know, all this great stuff and commending him for, for coming back and being with his team. He then asks the owner to out of his contract so he can go back to LA, be closer to his daughter, and give her the medical attention that she needs to beat cancer. They do that. They let him out of his contract. He comes back to Utah for the next game, and what do they do? Do they give him a standing ovation? They just cheer for him. No, they boo him. And while he's at the free throw line, one fan is covering one of his eyes and heckling him. Jesus. And another fan has been reported, multiple fans were yelling out a chant cancer. So (laughs) if that is true...
4: Probably people that are members of uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints (laughs) and probably consider themselves devoutly Christian, so it's yeah Yeah. so i mean
3: i mean if that you know if any of those parts are true and you know they definitely did boo him but if you're covering your eye and making fun of an infant girl having cancer and you're using that as your taunt then you win hands down like it's not even close and i hate houston fans but utah in a landslide you know
2: i i don't think there's any truth to utah fan having organized that chant at the previous night's ku klux klan meeting i I don't know where that came from and i'm not sure why people have said it but i don't i don't think it's true at all and i'll just go ahead and move us on to the next matchup and it's not an easy one gentlemen at the four seed and it kills me to say it is Warrior fan. Now, I'm not a Warriors fan. I'm talking about dynastic Warrior fan. When the Warriors were on top of the world, and you know those people who knew nothing about Ronnie Cycli's time here, who couldn't pull uh, Vontigo Cummings out of a lineup, were suddenly the biggest Warrior fans on earth, those guys. Five seed, Boston fan, who's kind of a dark horse for me here. This one's really hard. So hard that I'm I'm gonna beg off of it and I'm gonna turn to Marcus first. Mt, who do you got here?
4: Whew,
3: that's a hard one. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go Warriors fans and Warriors dynastic dynastic fans. Only because Boston fans are annoying, but I appreciate how how well informed they are as a fan base. Like they will cheer when you know, a, a play that leads to a play happens or something that shows a high basketball IQ as a fan base, um, they get it. And, you know, and there's just something that I think I appreciate that in a fan base if you know the little things about the game. So um, they can be annoying and they're, you know, Boston is Boston fans and they have their issues as, you know, Red, Red Sox fans can attest to. But um, I think dynastic fans on the whole are always annoying just because they're bandwagon jumpers. Um, but the dynastic fans that join the Warriors are even worse because they make it so much harder for me when I'm trying to root and people call me a bandwagon fan. And I'm like, I've been rooting for them since they were horrible. So, you know, like it it's annoying that I have to justify my fandom because When we went on that dynasty run that there are so many people who bought jerseys and became fans who couldn't care less and now are at games driving the ticket prices up. So um, I think it's a close one, but I'm gonna go Warriors fans. That last take spoke to
2: me a little bit. The idea that Dynastic Warrior fans have ruined my own reputation as a Warrior fan, okay, you're right, and that does make me a little bit pissy, but I'm definitely going to vote the other way. Boston fan, just generally speaking, not just Celtics fan, just Boston fan across the board, Patriot fan, Red Sox fan, it doesn't matter, are so obnoxious, and they know it. And because of that, they come to every game trying to fill a role. They it's almost as if they don't necessarily want to be obnoxious, but they know that everybody views them as obnoxious, so they might as well be. And they're just way over the top, even with their knowledge they're obnoxious about. Also, this this podcast is called The Warriors Huddle. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick Warriors fans. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw this towards Boston fan. We have what we need. That's one-one. Boys, Connor, Wes, we need you. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I, I don't even think it's close. I'm going to go Boston. Uh, I think Boston sports, I'm not just talking Celtics. I think that is the worst fan base in all of sports. Uh, I dread going to TD Garden just because their, their fans are so brutal um, I remember my first year on the Warriors beat, which was Kevin Durant's first year with the Warriors. Um, their their first game at TD Garden with with Kevin Durant, he was dealing with some of the worst chants I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm not even gonna repeat them on air right now, but they had shirts made up that a lot of them wore saying "fuck Kevin Durant," and it was solely <laughs> because he decided to not go to the Celtics even when he never actually really considered the Celtics as a viable option. He granted them uh, a meeting, one of his five meetings or whatever it was just to be nice, but he never seriously considered them. So for them to be that upset when they were never actually in the running for him is just absurd. And we're going to talk about racism. Boston is maybe the most racist city in America, uh, when it comes to sports, uh, Bill Bill Russell refused to even have his jersey retired in front of the fans back in the day because he had dealt with so much racism from them that he couldn't stand being honored in front of them. So it has to be possible. <laughs> Amazing answer. All right, yeah. Wes, off to you. What do you
5: got? Um, I don't know that the Dynastic Warriors fan... Gets an has enough equity yet built to move on in this bracket. They they have been around for only a few years. They have they been obnoxious during that time, absolutely. But like you kind of got to earn it to move on here, and I don't think they've earned it yet. Boston fans, meanwhile, have been around forever. Uh, like Connor said, Boston. If if you want to play with some racism cards here, Boston definitely has those in spades. But I, <laughs> I I think with with Celtics fans in particular, yes, are they knowledgeable? Yeah. Absolutely. They have this obnoxious way of making every basketball conversation about the Celtics. And this is like all about like every baseball conversation is about the Red Sox. Every football conversation is about the Patriots. Like they just have this way of like, hey, bro, we're not talking about your team right now. Just chill out. Like nobody asked you about Bill Russell for like at least 20 minutes. So just relax. Uh, And so for me, like having a conversation with a Celtics fan is nearly impossible because it always goes back to the Celtics. You don't want to be talking about the Celtics, and somehow you always end up back with the Celtics.
2: Completely agree. Boston moves on, which gentlemen... Leaves us with our final four. I'm gonna start with our one five matchup, the Lakers, or Laker fan, I should say, versus Boston fan, and I'll go first here. I didn't want to jump in too early with my Laker hate because I knew they'd get out of the first round. Let me use some of my vehemence now. Of course it's the Lakers, and it's not close. The Laker fan is the quintessential front runner. They are so fucking passionate, and visible when their team is good but are just nowhere to be found when they're even mediocre. Go back right before the quarantine started, right? You couldn't go anywhere without Laker fan being there. I went to a sports bar to watch a random game, had a a Warrior fan on Laker fans screamed the word "bandwagon" at me. The Warriors fans are the or the Warriors were the worst team of the league at the time. How the hell could we be bandwagon fans? But yet and still, this guy was so passionate suddenly about his team that he felt like he had to reach out to me. Go back a year, one year, nowhere to be found. Not a single one. In fact, I know Laker fans who don't even watch the regular season when the team is good. So. It's absolutely there, and so much so, I'm going to put it a step forward. Being that kind of a fan, talking all this when they're good and leaving immediately when they're bad is the functional equivalent of throwing a sucker punch during a verbal battle. The thing that makes fandom fun is that we house other fans we have this back and forth when our team is good we have the upper hand when our team is bad we've got to take our lumps it is what it is for laker fan to only participate when they are good is ludicrous unacceptable of course they move on so for me it is laker fan wes boston fan yeah probably racist and awful verse laker fan who do you got
5: I'm going to go Celtics fan here. I'm going to move them on. I'm going to move on Boston uh, for the same reason that um, I would rather have a conversation with a Lakers fan than have a conversation with a Celtics fan. And that at the end of the day is kind of what we're talking about, I think. And, uh, and just so I'm putting myself in your sports bar, there's a Lakers fan to my left. There's a Celtics fan to my right. I'm going to lean left and I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm I might, I may even turn my body.
2: So that's kind of where I'm at now. I can't believe this. I gave you so much passion in my response. I can't believe you've stabbed me in the back. I'm, I'm going to go to Marcus before Connor. MT, who do you have here?
3: Uh, I think I'm going to go Boston. I mean, I think that's that's a no! great, you know, like analogy that you set up, Wes. Like if I'm going to lean left or right, which one would I rather talk to? I think it's still. You know, like the Lakers fan, like Boston is, just, I don't know, it'd be an annoying conversation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can deal with with the sometimey bandwagon fan of just being a Laker fan because there's so many of them. It's like Dallas Cowboy fans for the NFL. They're just they are, you know, like you just don't even really take them seriously at some point. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give the edge to the Boston
2: Connor,
4: theoretically, yeah, I'm definitely going Boston as well. I think I laid it out pretty well why I'm so down with Boston fans oh earlier. Um, I think that Lakers fans, I, I'm not going to see someone with a Lakers jersey and automatically assume they're a bad person. I might do that with a with a Celtics fan, so I'm going to do Celtics. I almost feel like
2: ending the bracket. I don't even know what the hell just <laughs> happened. Like, th- this is unacceptable to me. I can't believe it. It's almost as if you guys have not lived through watching Laker fan chant MVP in our goddamn arena for 30 years. But it is what it is. I'm going to take my lunch, But just know that I hate all three of you. <laughs> we uh, we go to the other side of the final four. The final four, rather. We've got our two-seed LeBron fan versus our three-seed Utah um, I don't want to go first because I'm still just hurting from disappointment, but I will for all the reasons I've already said. I'm going to go David Duke. I mean Utah fan, Utah fan <laughs> for sure. Who do you guys got? Um,
5: I'm going. I'm, I'm moving Utah on. I don't have a problem with a LeBron fan in, in the first place. So this is a no-brainer for me. So Utah moves on. Connor?
4: Yeah, Utah as well. Um, for all the reasons we 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 laid out before. I think uh, when you have the word racism attached to your fan base, that's just uh, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. So That's, we're going that's, Utah. that's super good.
2: Yeah, when when yeah. they're handing <laughs> at, the, uh, at the arena, it might not be the best sense. Uh, Marcus, I am positive what your take is. So instead of asking you for LeBron fan versus Utah fan, instead, I'm going to put Utah in the finals and ask you what your finals take is. So Boston fan versus Utah Jazz fan for the most annoying fan base, who do you got?
3: Yeah, I wish I would have saved my Derek Fisher story for this. Just it, it, was yeah, it was amazing. Just drive my point home. but
2: It would have been it, better seeded to. Yeah, you should have exactly, done that. But it is, exactly.
3: it is. Um, But, you know, I think if this is a seven-game series, like an NBA Finals between these two fan bases, I think it's a gentleman sweep, and Utah wins it easily. I just think they are horrible and there's no comparison to it. Even if Boston is slightly racist, too, I don't think. I think that they get their pamphlets of how to be racist from Utah.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm going to go with a slight upset. I'm going to go with Laker fan. F- you guys. Laker fan should 100% be <laughs> in here. I can't believe I can't pick them. If I'm limited to this group, it has to be Utah fan. All agree with uh, MT. Wes, what do you got?
5: Can I just defend racism really quick? Uh <laughs> yes, no, why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, shout out! I, I'm like racism. shout out racism. Uh, I am racking my brain for how to play like the devil's advocate and have Celtics fans move on over and win this thing. Cause I really do like Okay, I know I said like being racist was kind of the worst thing. All right. I know I said that.
4: But please retract that. <laughs> Celtics are ra- more racist than the Jazz fans.
5: But considering that, considering that both fan bases are racist, I kind of feel like they even each other out. And so what are we left with after the racism thing? It's like, all right, you have Jazz fans. They're still really annoying on Twitter. Oh, nobody like, pays enough attention to us. Nobody gives enough credit. Oh, Rudy Gobert can play in the playoffs. You just really don't know basketball. Versus like, Celtics fans, where again, they suck. I hate talking to them. I also hate talking to Jazz fans because there's a lot of reasons. Mostly they're racist. The Mormon thing is weird, but I I'm going to go with Celtics fans here because again, they just oh have God. this weird way. They have this crazy way of making it all about them, and I like narcissism is maybe the one thing worse than racism. And it's kind of related. So, I will I will say that Celtics fans still get the vote from me here.
4: Upset, Connor. I'm, where you at? I'm going. I'm going Celtics fan as well. And yes. I think the bottom line is Utah fans are annoying, sure, uh, but they're generally pretty harmless. You know, you're not you're not too worried about what they're going to do in terms of you know if you ran into them at a sports bar, you're not you're <laughs> probably not going to get into a fight with them. And if you do get into a fight with them, you know you're going to win. Whereas, we don't have sports bars in Utah. Go to Boston, you could you could go to a sports bar in Boston, get in, get into uh, a pretty low level argument with a Boston sports fan, and get shipped. You know, just get knifed in the back. And that's why I
2: have to go Boston fan. <laughs> to uh, to back you guys, although I'm not actually changing my vote, if we're comparing the racism, and I'm not qualified to say this, it feels like Utah fan is racist because they feel like God has told them to, and Boston fan is racist just because they hate everybody who's not white. So, you know, I mean, like really, there's not an easy look at either of those. They're both hateable. I still stick with Utah, and I cannot believe, boys, that I've kept you on this line for longer than two hours. I think we have set a huddle record for podcast timing. So I just, I would, I just
4: walked four miles in in, the, in this, this conversation. <laughs> I have well, one question I, for you,
3: Bram, real quick. If the Lakers would have beaten Boston and it was Utah versus Lakers, would you still pick Utah?
2: No. Laker fan, um, and and, and it, it, if I'm being honest with you and transparent, it wouldn't have to be any kind of objective take. It would be exceptionally subjective. As a Warriors fan, Laker fan has occupied different. F- members in my life throughout my entire sporting career when we were awful they were great f you when we were great and they were awful they refused to even pay attention f you most recently they pointed out that i didn't know how to use the word decade right f you i mean there's a lot of things i have with Lager fan that would be really hard to get me over the hump so no Lager fan 10 times out of 10 thousand times out of a thousand it just is what it is but boys I had so much fun with you today. I had so much fun with you every day. I'll put off our own personal advertisements for yours. Uh, Connor, let's start with you. For those of us who need more Letourneau
4: in their life, where do they go? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at con underscore con. Read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. And follow my podcast on iTunes and other places where you can get podcasts. Uh, it's Warriors Off Court. Wes is actually a regular guest on there, so uh, listen to both of us. Boom.
2: Wes, where are you at, man? You know we love your content as well. I'm not in Jurassic Park, I'll tell you that.
5: Um, that a boy. I, that am a boy.
2: On, I am on
5: Twitter, uh, at WC Goldberg, <laughs> and I tweet links to most of the things that I'm on there, so just follow me there. <laughs>
2: Huge fun, you guys! Uh, you know this will end at some point. I promise. With that in and go Warriors, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week.